Today is the second of our gift days, and I want to talk about vision, but primarily I'll be talking about a key part of God's vision for the church that Jesus is building. And I have three points as usual. Worship, generosity, and sacrifice. And guess where we start? Malachi chapter 3. If your hearts sink, I'm sorry. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 to 12. If you're a guest here today, I'm talking about uh, money and worshipping God. But I'm not talking about it to, to get... I'm talking about the adventure. I'm talking about the adventure of trusting God. I'm talking about not relying on ourselves, but relying on Him and all that He can do. So this is not trying to get money out of people. Perish the thought. If you don't want to give it, don't give a penny. But start the adventure. It, it, it's wonderful. Anyway, let's, let's read it. Verse uh, 6, Mark 6, 3, sorry, 3, 6 to 12. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Now, you might well ask, what's that got to do with God's vision for the church that Jesus is building? Well, the church is the dwelling place of God on the earth. Just as in the Old Testament, the temple was the dwelling place of God on the earth. We are God's house. The church is God's house. And one of the major things God wants for us and for this house is that there be food and resource in the house. That's God's plan. God's plan for this world is the church. It's Jesus, yes, but it's the church. We are the light of the world. We are the city set in the hill. We're the ones who actually demonstrate here the kingdom dwells. We now take the kingdom into the world because the resource of the kingdom is here. That's God's plan. In the Old Testament, the temple was the place where the poor, the needy, and the hungry could come and have their needs met. The priesthood also had to be paid uh, paid and, and fed and provided for. That was God's plan. It's still God's plan. The church should be the one place on earth where the abundance of the Lord is available to all who would come for help. I believe that. A place where there's an abundance available so that leadership can be well supported and others trained and brought through into ministry. A place where there's enough resource so that the purposes of God can be supported in various parts of the world. I look at Tanzania and I 
I see a possibility. The problem with Tanzania is you've got a church on nearly every corner of every label. It's legalistic, it's competitive, it's divisive. Some people, can't, you can't be part of my church if you have long hair. If you want prayer, you've got to pay me. It's, it's absolutely rife with that. And we're looking to bring a church with, with kingdom values, a church full of grace, with New Frontiers values, into a nation, church after church after church, that shine, that model something different. And Jonathan Kando's an amazing guy. I, I, I just, amazing guy. He, we, we were up at the orphanage in Indaga, and and I said, but you know, if you plant churches, that we'll, you'll just find more and more orphans. And he says, that's okay. In other places, we can do it properly. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, well, the orphans need to come and live with the people of the church and their families. We don't want orphanages. We want to do it biblically. And you realize, this, this guy understands grace. He understands what it's like. And, and so he does it. He has people live with, he must have 16 people living in their home. They live like that. Other people's problem is their responsibility. They, all the time, they're looking after and caring for one another and blessing one another. It's the place where the, the, the world looks and goes, wow, how do you do that? And I, I just think, I can see a 10-year plan, at least a 10-year plan, but it will need resourcing where we can go and bring change and be, teach about business. And, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a culture that hasn't, you can't build anything because it always gets taken down. But the enemy wants to destroy it. You know, pigs, get, pigs die, um, chickens get stolen, businesses don't work all the time. Not because they're not doing it well, but because the enemy's against them. And so all the time it's pulling them down and pulling them down. We need to go into that nation and actually help them build up. Pray, trust God. Look for miracles. Watch God provide. Watch God bless. But we, we can't do it and just say, well, God bless you. We have to play a part in it. It's a long-term commitment. But I'm, 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 I'm already there, really. Uh, it's not about going to live there. Don't mean that. We're a bit old for that, aren't we, dear? Yeah. I wasn't talking... Well, yeah, we, I was, it was a we. I wasn't saying Jean's a bit old for that. Um, although she might be. You're looking at me a bit strange. Do you, don't you like adventures? Yeah, I, I mean, I want to, what's this song? I want to give my life to something that will last forever. Lord, I delight. What else would you want to give your life for? I want to give my life into the purpose of God as long as I've got breath. This is his plan. And it's not just this nation. It's going to be other nations too. And we're part of that. Isn't that exciting? Okay. And so you can imagine a church where so fully resourced, there's such blessing from God that there's always food in the house. You can imagine a church where people can come and there's always enough, always more than enough. I don't believe... I think maybe there's one or two, but I, I, in my opinion, there's very, very little, very few churches around in the world like that. But as more I look at it, I just think God's plan is that there's food in his house. That's how we bless the world. In a time of constraint, in a time of difficulty, in a time when, oh, well, God says, stay faithful, trust me, be generous, and watch what I will do. 
Because it's all, it's all what he will do, but there are principles to release that. So how will it be achieved? Well, in the, in the Old Testament, there was clear instruction that a key part of worship for the people of God was to bring 10%, that's the, the first tenth of everything they earned and received to the temple in worship. It was a starting point for worship. It was God's plan for resourcing his house. On top of the tenth, there was other contributions that people were encouraged to make on a regular basis. There's even reference to double tithing and treble treble tithing. 20%, 30%. And this was not just God's plan for his house, it was his expectation. See, it's not just, oh, God's got a plan. No, no, this is what God expects of his people. Not legalistically, because here is the adventure. Here is the trust. God, we're on an adventure. He said, I want you to come on this adventure because it's for your blessing. It's for your good. And so in Malachi, we read of God saying to his people, you're robbing me. And in so doing, you're bringing your whole community under a curse. And so God says, invites them, come on, test me then. Test me then. God would say it to us, test me then. The only time in Scripture I know where God says, test me. Bring the whole tithe, all of you. Bring all your contributions into the storehouse. That's into your local church. God's house. And God says, and see, see how I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I've read this chapter of these few verses for years. And this is the first time as I was preparing this week that jumped out. Until there is no more need. Can you imagine a situation? The church receiving, receiving, receiving from God until there is no more need. That means it's inexhaustible. Wow, isn't that... Can you imagine such blessing, such provision? Wow! Yeah? You're not sure, are you? You're looking at me going, really? Do we believe God? Can you believe God for your salvation? Can you believe God to keep you? Can you believe God you're going to get to glory? Hallelujah. Can you believe God to provide for you? Can you believe God to have an abundance in the house? What's the key? Doing it his way. Obedience. It's, it's simple. It's all about obedience. It's not, it's not like, well, I, I'll, I'll negotiate with God. No, no, God says, do this. I'm going to bless you. Test me. Try me out. We live in interesting times. There is need everywhere we look. I hear of church after church that's struggling financially. I hear of two churches. I heard of two churches only last week where they can no longer afford to pay their minister. Not New Frontiers once, but... I hear of churches closing things down because they can't afford to run them anymore. Now I'm all for financial care and prudence. That's being responsible. But God has a different answer. The answer for a lack is not to spend less. Yes, we need to be wise. The answer for lack is to obey and give more and believe him for the difference. Yeah?
whatever the constraints, whatever the situation, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, God says, and watch what I will do. It's about our faith. Now, you might say to me, but tithing, 10%ing, it's Old Testament. It's not found in the New Testament. Wrong. I haven't time to open it all up, but if you read carefully, you will see that tithing is presumed and then gifts are given on top of that. When the Macedonians gave to Paul out of their extreme poverty, he says, your faith's amazing because you gave first to God and then to us in their extreme poverty. They understood some principles about worshipping God with their money, worshipping God with all they had. And so God blessed them. But if we're quibbling about a percentage, then we're in trouble, really, aren't we? As I read through Scripture, it's very clear that everything we earn and own all belongs to God. Every salary, every inheritance, every savings account, every pension plan, every investment, all of it belongs to God. And so to quibble about how little we can get away with paying and giving into our local church is to miss the point completely. If that's where we're at, don't bother. We love to worship, but often we see worship as a spiritual thing, uh, as a God-encountering moment, and I'm not despising any of that. However, much of the worship that God looks for in his people and through his people is intensely practical. There's nothing more practical than getting your hand in your pocket. There's nothing more practical than writing a check. There's nothing, you know, whatever. There's nothing more practical than that. It's not very spiritual. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The Bible has so much, has more to say about money than it does about salvation, I believe. These things matter because this is where we prove whether we really trust God or not. You see, we can trust God when it's, oh, it's great. Lovely, easy, but when there's a time of constraint, when things are really difficult, when the pressure's on, do we still trust God? Do we still believe God? Do we still believe his promises? Or we say, well, I, I have to be careful. I have to rely on myself. I have to... In our walk with God, Jean and I have learned that a tenth of our income before tax or bills, that makes it the first tenth, is to be the starting point for our worship of God. And then more on top of that as he enables us, and inevitably he always keeps sticking more things under our nose, which, Lord help us. It's not that we are rich, far from it. It's that we are God's, and part of his church, and therefore this is a key part of our worship. And if I didn't do this, I couldn't preach this. I couldn't be preaching today. I would have no right. But I have, I've, I'm not perfect, but I've, we have proved this. We, are, we have proved this and are proving this. Over and over again, I, I've grown to love the adventure of giving. And that will still apply when we're just living off our pensions. 
I see nowhere in Scripture where we retire from worshipping God, where we retire from giving into his purposes. I've heard people say, well, I would give, but I'm a pensioner. Yeah, so? Well, I'm a student, so? It's what you have. It's not the amount, it's what you have. What are you going to do with it? Just one more thing before I move on to my next point. As I was preparing, I I felt God point out something rather unsettling, that the Malachi scripture is not just about individuals worshipping God with their money, it's about the whole church being part of this. And to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse means we each have a responsibility to play our part. It's not just a private thing. And while we're not in any way to know each other's business and so on, we must remember that God knows our business. He knows all about us. And clearly, if some, of, some people are, are not trying to respond to this in faithful worship of God, then it's the whole community that will suffer. The whole community is the one who won't get the blessing because there's something about the whole community being involved. And I have no doubt that God wants the whole church to be involved. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not legalistic. It's not demand. It's about the adventure. Be on the adventure together, working it out. And as we do that, so we find God releases his promise of abundance over us. So we're called to worship God with all the resource he gives us. And that is primarily worked out through our giving into the local church that we're a part of. People say, well, I give to Africa. No, no, you can do that. But your starting point, the storehouse is the church. Too many people give elsewhere and not into the church. Church is where our giving goes first. And then maybe beyond. Now, my next two points will be much shorter uh, because they speak of our attitude to giving. So, um, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 15. I'm just going to read this to you. You can look it up if you want to. It's not on the screen. The point is this. Whoever, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, the word is actually hilarious, giver. I mean, you just got to laugh sometimes when God asks you to give, but no. Hilarious giver. And, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given gifts to the, he's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed, excuse me, (coughs) a bit dry. He who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For this, the, the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and all others. Well, they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift of his grace that he lavishes on us. We are recipients of grace. He lavishes on us. 
It was years ago that I first came across verse 11 in this passage that I just read. And I think I read it in the NIV as it was then. And it says, you will be made rich in every way. We like that, don't we? You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. What a wonderful promise. As I say, we want to be made rich. And God promises to provide for us and answer our prayers. But James 4 verse 3 says this, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Oh, oh, Lord help us. God wants to make us rich, not so that we can be wealthy and store away our treasure, but so that we can be generous like he is on every occasion. To be generous means we gladly give more than is needed. If someone needs £10 and we give them £10, that's good. But if someone needs £10 and we give them £20, that's generous. That's what God's like. Lord, I need this. He says, I have double. Okay, that's generous. It flows from the heart of God, generosity. As we give generously into Jubilee today and and last week and on a regular basis, then God promises he will bless Jubilee according to his generosity. Imagine, if we can be generous, how much more can he be generous? He loves to bless us. He loves to shower gifts upon us that we may be a people that can bless the world. Yeah? Maybe. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. That's grabbed me, that. What a promise. Until there is no more need. Dare we trust God? Dare we actually start to trust God like this? Or are we going to say, well, Lord, I'll take charge myself. I will look after what I have and I will be careful with it. You see, God, we, we, we say we're God-reliant, but actually we're self-reliant so often. God says, dare you trust me. Go on the adventure. See what I can do. And I will open such a blessing for you that there is no more need. And finally, my last point. It's just quite short, really. Mark 12, 42 to 44. It says, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing in the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. While it's good to worship and to give out of our resources, and it's good to give generously, there is often a decision to be made about giving sacrificially. Instead of going on holiday, give to God. Instead of buying the latest thing or the latest toy, give to God. Giving when it means we have to deny ourselves something. And I don't mean giving up chocolate for Lent. We talk about, oh, we give up chocolate for Lent. Yeah? Big deal. That's no sacrifice. Might help your waistline, but it's no sacrifice. I read about this widow. 
Her, her tiny gift was given with radical sacrifice. Not a little bit of sacrifice, radical sacrifice. She gave all she had to live on and trusted God. And Jesus commended her to his disciples. Are we up for that sort of sacrifice? I can't tell you to do that. I'm, I'm not telling you what to do. Please don't hear me tell you what to do. I'm laying out for you what it says in the Bible about God first. God's center. We, we give to God. This is his plan. This is his church. There's food in the house. How you work that out is between you and him, but it affects us all. Are we up for the adventure? You see, this is all about loving God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. We worship sacrificially because we love him, because we're part of his church, his storehouse, his dwelling place on the earth. We worship sacrificially because we see the big picture. We see the big plan of God. We see what we're a part of. We say, as we do this, watch what God will do in Jubilee, through Jubilee, to the ends of the earth, as we do this. I, I don't want to be a part of a church that just goes, well, we give a little bit. Well, we, we give our 10%, but that we've done our bit. That's fine. I'm not knocking that, but I'm thinking, that's not church. Church is the dynamic dwelling place of God on the earth. We are the people who will bless the world. We are the people who will bless Teesside. We are the people, and other churches too, who will see the glory of God come all over the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's our calling, nothing less. And you're each a part of it. Do you get it? Does it, does it kind of quicken you on the inside? Do you get just a little bit excited? And then there's another part that goes, oh, the cost. There's two sides to it, isn't it? Oh, I'm really excited about the vision. Oh, the cost. Because when you start going into your bank account and you look at the figure, you go, oh, oh, but God, you wouldn't. He said, yes. Oh. Because sacrifice is done in the cold light of day. This sort of worship is not gooey, soft stuff. It's done in the cold light of day. Radical commitment to Jesus. That's what we're about. It's what we're about. We're not doing anything less than that. I'm finished really, but I'm going to read the words of this hymn to you, which I'd like you to leave up if you can for a while. You probably know it, some of you, but all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and serve him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Saviour. I'm coming to the end of my senior leadership here. I don't know what God has for us in the future, but I'm not giving up on ministry. We stay a part of Jubilee until God says otherwise. I don't, you're going to keep hearing me chirp on from time to time about radical commitment to Jesus. Because that's what he calls Jubilee to. Jubilee, the very word Jubilee means freedom from debt. 
It means the blessing of God. It means the cancellation of all things. It means we're part of God doing that for our communities and for the nations. Isn't that something worth giving your life for? It might mean radical change. It might mean cutting through the way you handle money, your value basis and all that. I'm not here to manipulate you for a moment. You have to take it away and get before God on it. Because if it's done for any other reason than because you love Jesus, it's a waste of your time. Take some steps of adventure in God, in this area, but in other areas too. I know Gene's not terribly keen on going back to Africa too soon, um, but, but something in me, I realized when I came back, if somebody said you had to go next week, I'd say yes, and I hate flying with a passion, and I hate those long flights, and ugh. but there's something, there's something, you see, it isn't just Gene and I going to Africa, it's about us being a people who go to the nations, and up, we'll, we'll be taking people, we've already taken Sarush and Mavash to Turkey, but there's more, there's more, there's more. This is what Jubilee is called to, okay? A light to the nations. We're called to that. We're an apostolic resource base. We're not just a church, and the community, that's nice, we've got a church, we do our things. No, no, we're a people called to bring transformation everywhere we go. Let's stand Just close our eyes. Vandy would come back, please. The band. It's going to pray over us. I'm not really asking for any knee-jerk responses. Well, you can. You can, by all means, write loads of checks and put them in the offering bucket. But I'm not really preaching for that purpose. What I'm trying to do is, in the cold light,